the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I got Joe working with me this morning. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, Doc. Good to be with you today. Absolutely. Glad to have you back. And we're streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. I don't know what all. I'm adding everything I can every week that I can figure out how to do it. And we're coming to you poolside at, uh, I don't know where we are, some Hilton property in Sarasota, Florida. So if the image and the noise and the background ambiance is a little bit different, there goes a jet plane. Can you hear that? It was like perfect timing. Right when you come on the air is when the jet starts flying overhead. <laughs> it just flew right overhead. Hey, somebody shoot that plane down. <laughs> it's interfering with my show. And so I've got the sun at my back because this was the only place I could find to set up. But you can see a little bit of the swimming pool and the background here. We should have some people walking by, so it'll be a little bit different. It'll be a fun show. And we played uh, Heard It Through the Grapevine, and that's for Liz Cheney. As you know, Liz has fallen out of favor with the uh, hierarchy in the House Republicans, among the House Republicans, I should say. You know the story there. She, uh, she joined into the conspiracy theory that Trump instigated the, quote, quote, insurrection at the Capitol at the beginning of January. And I'm still, Joe, I'm still trying to find anything in his speech where he said, let's go and take over the Capitol. I, I can't find it. Well, not All only he said was, well, not only that, ahead. he put Well, not only that, he put out a tweet while it was going on telling people to go home. So if you were trying to start an insurrection, that's a, that's a pretty lousy way to do it. And he said, let's, let's peacefully walk down to the Capitol and give strength to those Republican senators who, you know, were wavering about, uh, demanding for a recount. And, there's a lot of people now that are saying, well, it wasn't a dishonest election. And I don't know. I mean, it looks to me like there was a lot of hanky-panky. The problem is, is that the Voter Right Act of, <clears throat> of the 1990s said that you can't change the rules within 60 days of a, of a general election, of a federal election. And some of the states did that. So you tell me, did they step out of, out of bounds? Did they break the law? I think so. What was Trump's mistake here he should have started suing before the election he should have started going after these states long before so that's on him to a certain degree and so i think that we have to look at liz cheney and say even though you're very conservative you've taken a really bad stand within the party i mean uh, a lot of people still like trump and to go against him is going to hurt not only 
his chances, but your chances of getting reelected. I would think that she would have figured that out. And even though she felt a certain way, she would have not said anything. But I think it shows a little bit of lack of um, insight and discretion for her to do that. Now, she's been very conservative in her voting record. I mean, she's voted with Trump like 95% of the time while he was in office. So I'm, I'm not quite sure why she decided at this point to step out. Maybe she truly believes that uh, that uh, he was out of line, but even then, Joe, I would say, just keep your mouth shut. You know, this is not the time to to roil the, the, the party, stir the pot up, and get people even more angst-ridden and upset and complaining about Trump. I mean, for me, it seems like the best thing to do would just be to let it die a natural death. I don't know what you think, but that's that's my thought on it. Well, I mean, it's it's one thing to think, you know, uh, Trump was out of line, and I mean, g- good, reasonable people can think that, even if you disagree with their conclusion. But that's not what we're talking about when you're saying, when when what you are claiming is that the guy was you know, uh, fulmenting an insurrection, you know, leading to violence. It's, it's, that's either that happened or it didn't happen. And if you, and if you're tying it to some other sort of grievance that you have against the guy, well then that's that to me, that is, uh, being less than, um, uh, authentic in in your in your point of view. In other words, it it looks to me like this is trying to score some sort of political points for some reason, and who knows what the motivation is other than the obvious look, which is that um, the media is all you know uh, is constantly painting a certain picture. If you believe that narrative, then you want to make sure that you can operate within that rubric that's created, and so you say in my opinion, idiotic things like this. And then when the pushback happens, <laughs> you're surprised. Uh, and you really yeah, shouldn't be. There's, there's a price to pay, and she's she's paid it. And and I don't know how they see her back in her home district in Wyoming, but I would think that she's going to have a hard time. Uh, there's going to be a lot of upset people. Wyoming's pretty conservative. <clears throat> and you can say, well, they're a small state. They really don't mean much. they got two senators, <laughs> you know. And they and they had the second the number two person in, in the house was from Wyoming or the number three, so not anymore. And for a little state, that was a big deal. That was a big deal, you know. Uh, any rate, so we'll hope that Liz Cheney can uh, make a mea culpa or two and try to get back in the good graces of the party because she's obviously a conservative, bright woman, but. Uh, Something, something got a hold of her. I don't know. Probably emotions. She probably felt that he had stepped out of line, and that it was, a, you know, an immorality against the Constitution or the country or whatever. But you know, these people that are saying it was an insurrection, it was an armed insurrection. The only weapon I saw was a flagpole with a brown ball on the top of it. I, there were no guns. There were no knives. I mean, there was nothing. It was just ridiculous. And uh, and now, did you see where CNN's going to have a show on tonight, and they're going to go through the history of how the Republican Party became so radical, became such a right-wing extremist fascist party? Of course, they're the fascists. They don't know what fascism is. They think fascism is what they don't agree with. Right. And as, as one of my friends said, the only reason that we look more conservative, because we're not, we're saying the same things we said when Reagan was in power— the only reason that we look more conservative is because they are so much more radical. 
they're so much further left. And it makes no sense. It really doesn't. I don't understand how anybody who has an education can honestly believe that socio-fascism is a better way of life than, than what we had or what we had. I guess we still have it. We're fighting for it. And so I'm, I'm deeply concerned about this, but I, I have to laugh when I hear CNN is putting on a special. What's his name? Zachariah. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. And he's going to say that the Republican Party has been taken over by radical extremist, rightist, uh, uh, racist, uh, you know, white supremacist. Give me a break. Am I a white supremacist? I'm married to a Korean. I've dated all kinds of women, black, red, green, yellow, and blue. I had a blue woman as a girlfriend. Well, her hair was blue anyway. Well, there so, you go. There, <laughs> so at any rate, let's get off of that and go on to something else. So I, my LED sign that I bought uh, from China, I got it on Alibaba. By the way, all the LED signs are made in China. So I just skipped over the uh, middleman here in the United States. And uh, I bought this sign year and a half, two years ago. At any rate, it's up and running, and I don't know what happened. You know, a thunderstorm or something, the programming got a little screwy. So only one side of the screen was working. And so uh, I couldn't get it to come back on, so I called Jane, the sales. I didn't call her. I texted her on WhatsApp, and uh, she's over in China. And uh, I said, you know, can you help me? Can you get the engineer to come on and fix it? And she said, sure, Doc, anything you need. So uh, Tony is the engineer. Everybody has a, 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 an English first name in China now. They have two, two names. They take a kind of like we used to take a, a confirmation name. Remember back in the old days when we were confirmed? Well, you're not Catholic, so you wouldn't know. But when you were Catholic, you took a confirmation name. So they take an English name as well as their Chinese name because it's easier to do business. And you know, my wife has the same problem. People have difficulty pronouncing her name. So she just says, I'm MJ, instead of saying I'm Myung Ju, because they, they can't figure out how to pronounce it. I mean, to me, it's not that hard. But at any rate, so I'm talking with Tony. On, you know, we're texting back and forth, and I'm texting back and forth with Jane. And I'm running outside and looking at the side. And you have to put on TeamViewer or log me in on your computer and give them the password and all that. And then they come in uh, and work on it, Joe. And so I'm running outside, and I'm coming back in, I'm running outside, and it's 9.30 in the morning there, so it's 9.30, 10 o'clock at night for me, uh, but uh, that's, that's the price you pay when you got a business to run. And I kind of had fun, so I'm texting with Jane, I said, did you get vaccinated yet? She said, yeah, I got my first dose. Well, what they're using in China, Joe, is the Sinovax, which is a, a, a killed virus, a heat-inactivated in, virus, so what they do is they... Uh, they take a syringe and they pump the live virus into an oil bath that's heated up to uh, 140 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, as you know, pasteuris, uh, pasteurization level, and that inactivates it. And they just very briefly put it in there. Then they funnel it over to an ice bath, and uh, then they package it and put it in with diluents and, and uh, things to dissolve it in and, and carriers and preservatives and all that, and they make a vaccine out of it. Which is tremendous because it's easy and it's quick, and the Chinese don't have the manufacturing capability to do what we do with the messenger RNA vaccines, and they can probably do the uh, the live attenuated adenovirus vaccine, uh, like uh, Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca have done. 
But the problem with that is that then you have to have the manufacturing facility to, uh, to mass produce that. Well, this is easy to mass produce, and they've actually given 400 million doses. So 400 million Chinese have been immunized against the virus, and so that's about a little less than a third of the population, which is pretty darn good. The problem with it is that the vaccine is only about 50% effective, so now they're going to have to get a booster shot. So I, you know, I said, Jane, you know, it's only 50% effective. And she said, yeah, I'm going to get a booster. And after everybody gets their first shot, then they are all going to get a second shot. I don't know if it's mandatory in China or not. And Joe and I were talking about this before the show about whether or not uh, the vaccine should be mandatory. I think for healthcare workers, it should be, but uh, they're not going to go along with that. That'd cause a riot in the street. So the Chinese are doing pretty good, but guess how many we've vaccinated? We have vaccinated over 150 million people. We're probably at 160 million. So we've got about half the population that's, that's vaccinated here, Joe, which is pretty darn good. I think we've done better than anybody in the world. And and you go, guys. That's, that's what it should be. And this whole hoopla over whether or not we should give away our intellectual property over the uh, how to manufacture the mRNA vaccines, uh, you know, I'm on the side of it's our property. Now we can, we can give you the help you with the manufacturing facilities and the distribution, but the actual of the vaccine once the mRNA is is encased in the little uh, in the little fatty uh, molecule, the little nano molecule. But why would we want to do that? Why would we want to give away our intellectual property? And we offered to help. We've offered to help the Indians last year, and they said no. They said, no, Joe, they, they could do it on their own. Now they're in a mess. We offered to help Brazil, and they said, yeah, we'll take your, your ventilators because nobody else wanted them. Not that the ventilators turned out to be as big a deal as we thought they were because we now know that it's best not to put people on ventilators if you can keep them off of it. We just put them on high-flow oxygen and roll them over on their stomachs and beat on their chest and all that sort of stuff. So I think we're, we're doing really well. And I don't think there's any reason whatsoever to give our intellectual property away. So the president is uh, out of his mind, really. I mean, he, he's not thinking. We didn't get to this point, and it's our property. We created it. We paid for it. We're investing in these companies, and uh, we're stockholders. We're the worker bees. We're the intellects. We're the scientists. We're the doctors. We're the guinea pigs. I mean... Look at it. I, Joe, I got my first shot back in December before winter started. I got it on the 20th of December. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. When yeah, did you been, get your shot? I'm sorry, go ahead. When well, did you I, get well, yours? What I was going to say is you've been ahead of the curve, uh, ahead of everybody on this since, uh, since it began. I remember when all of this happened, you were wearing masks like two or three months before anybody was even talking about it. Well, I don't know if it was that long, but yeah, I was I was up on top of it, and I've been doing the research as we go along, and and you know I, I try to inform people and educate them, and my patients I've only got one or two that I've talked to that say they're not going to get the vaccine. A uh, couple of them have good reasons, a uh, couple of them don't, but most everybody once I sit down and explain it to them how it works, then they're okay with it. Uh, and, you know, the vaccines are very safe. The messenger RNA vaccine is extremely safe. It doesn't get into your DNA and alter your genetics or anything like that. <laughs> it's just 
people have all these crazy ideas about about this. I saw, I told you when we were going to the, uh, the Super Bowl, you know, I got the ticket as one of the frontline healthcare workers who got vaccinated early. So I got a $2,500 seat way up in the nosebleed section, but that's okay. And so we're walking in and there's all these anti-vaccinators and they're all lined up on the on the grass uh, by the sidewalk. And they knew we were all healthcare workers, you know, because we were going in early to the uh, show with uh, Miley Cyrus. And they were holding up these sides, you know, COVID vaccine is made from aborted baby fetuses and, you know, vaccines killed my son and you know, all this crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, But there are people out there that are just, they're either uneducable or they're so emotionally driven that you just can't get through to them. And so we just have to accept those people that, that they're going to be part of the background of society. And just as there's ambient noise when I'm outside here at the pool, but that's the way it is, Joe, that's the way it is. And all we can do is continue to try to educate. Now I, for one, uh, this is one area where I will part with my conservative friends and say that I think that, uh, Public health demands that if we have safe vaccines that are going to save all of us from some dreaded disease, that it be mandatory. And, you know, it is mandatory to get vaccines to go to school. You have to get vaccinated to get your kids. You have to get them vaccinated to get them in school. Now, you can get some medical or religious uh, uh, waiver, but it's tough to do. And there's not many doctors that are willing to do that. At any rate, so the... The Chinese are coming along nicely, 400 million. That's not a bad number for uh, a country that size. And, and that, that, I mean, it's a massive country. You know, it's the size of the United States in area. In fact, I think with Tibet, it's a little bit bigger now. We used to be number three in size. Um, and now I think we're number four after Russia, Canada, and China. But we're also number three in population after China and India. So we're actually a pretty good-sized country in a number of ways. And I would guess by the end of this century, we'll probably be close to a billion people if we keep growing the way we are. And letting everybody in the southern border, oh, my God, the Canadians are like, we really want to immigrate down here. I said, just go down to the southern border and come across, you're in. Right. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So we've talked about Liz Cheney and the vaccine. And if anybody has any questions about the vaccine, you can call us and Joe will pick up the phone. We're at 877-969-8600, I'm Dr. Bill. We're coming to you live poolside in Sarasota, Florida. I got the sun at my back. What time we got here? Not yet ready for a break. I can hardly see my screen because the sun shining right on it. But we'll get there. These we'll are not the there. worst problems to have. Yeah, not not a bad problem to have at all. So we talked about the vaccines, all right? Let's talk about something else. Well, you know, Doc, I had someone ask me a question the other day that I didn't have the answer to because, of course, I'm not you, so I don't have your area of expertise. But the question that was asked to me was, if you've already tested positive, if you've already gone through covid if you've already had it whether it was last year earlier this year or or at any point since all of this broke out then is it necessary for you to get the vaccine beyond that point our experience so far is that you will have immunity uh, assuming your immune system is is competent 
and if it's not, you probably died from the from the virus. So, if you have immunity from the virus, it's protective, but uh, it doesn't seem to be as strong of an immune response as the vaccines. So, what I would recommend, and of course the CDC was usually about two to three months behind me on this, is that if you've had the virus, I would suggest that you get one of one more shot or one shot of one of the mRNA vaccines, either the the Pfizer or the Moderna. Um, and I think that that should be adequate. You could probably get the J&J too. I did, it doesn't really matter because they all basically work the same way once they get inside the dendritic cells. The dendritic cell takes that messenger RNA and manufactures a spike protein. And then the spike protein is put out on the surface of the messenger of the uh, dendritic white blood cell and presented to the T lymphocytes. The T lymphocytes, those are the the guys that actually have the memory, and they're they're kind of like the uh, the group leaders, and then they they tell the B lymphocytes what to do to make the uh, how to make the uh, the antibody, and the B lymphocytes then morph into what's called a plasma cell. It's a pretty complex little system. They're pretty smart little cells, the T lymphocytes, and then the plasma cells make the antibodies, which coat the virus, and then macrophages, macro big phage eater big eaters, big white blood cells that eat eat up debris, they come around, they're the garbage men. So if you put something out on the corner in the can, they'll eat it and they eat up the virus and that's how you get rid of it. And if you coat enough of the virus, uh, of the spike proteins, then it, it can't attach to a cell anyway. So you kind of got like a double mechanism of decreased attachment to our cells and increased eating up by the macrophages of the virus. So I would suggest that if you have had it, that within six months that you get a booster shot, just one, that's all you need. And that should be plenty. And if you've had the virus and you get the shot, you're going to be sick for a day or two. So grab your bottle of Advil. Don't use Tylenol. That won't work. It's not an anti-inflammatory. Tylenol only treats uh, pain and fever. It does not treat the, uh, the inflammatory response or the inflammatory reaction that you get from being immunized. So uh, use the uh, use the Advil or the Aleve. That'll work better. And now if you can't take Advil or Aleve because you're on a blood thinner or you're uh, or you have some other problems, gastritis or an ulcer or whatever, uh, just use Tylenol. At least you won't be as achy and, and you won't have a fever. So that's how you do it. But yes, I would recommend for anybody who's listening, one additional shot if you've had the vaccine, if you've had the virus, and you know you've had the virus, you know it. Now, some people say, well, I think I had it last January. I doubt it. Uh, last January, a year and a half ago, a year and three months ago, I doubt it very much. But if you think you have, there is an antibody test now, Joe, that you can go get your blood drawn and we can send it off to the lab and we can see if you're immune or not, if you've got antibodies to the virus. If you do have antibodies to the virus, that means that you have had the virus or while you were sleeping, somebody snuck in and gave you a shot of the, of the vaccine and, you're, and you should be immune. But uh, you have to get tested for that. You can't just assume it and say, well, I think I had it. You don't know. Come on. How can you know? You can't. You cannot know if you've had the virus or not unless you have been tested uh, by a scientific lab. We've got to use science here, lads. We've got to use science here, ladies. This is not a guessing game. 
So does that answer it? Yeah, it certainly answers it to me. And, you know, it, I, <clears throat> I think in a, you know, kind of an anecdotal way, um, I can kind of corroborate what you're saying. I, I we There was a, a really aggressive um, cold flu strain that went through this area in winter 2019 that impacted, you know, a lot of the people, you know, working right here around the radio station. And it's kind of to your point, a lot of us thought that that had to be it, you know, because it because it really was it was much more powerful. Now, I mean, my experience, I come from Ohio and living down in Florida, the colds and flu strains that I've received down here have been much, much, much stronger and more aggressive than what I faced up in Ohio, which I think just has to do with the 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 the. Um, the weather patterns down here because we don't have the deep freeze every year, but that's just my opinion based on, you know, nothing really scientific, just kind of, you know, observational. But to your point about a year later in 20, in the winter of uh, 2020, just this last December, I did actually get COVID. I did actually test positive and went through that whole thing. And it was a different experience altogether. And it matched a lot of what um, I had heard from other people that experienced it, particularly with uh, the way that it impacted respiratory, which I did not experience the first time around. The first time was just a really, you know, aggressive, very, you know, it, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was very, very uh, difficult to get through, but it was different. It was definitely a different type of experience. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you in the sense that if you think that you had it, it's, that's not enough. You, you should definitely find yeah. out for sure. You got to get tested. Yeah. Yeah. So my best recommendation is if you're really concerned uh, and you think you've had the virus, go to your doctor and say, draw antibodies. It's a blood test. It's no big deal. It's just one little stick in the arm and we send the serum off and there you go. All right. Oh, my gosh. I think we've beaten that to death. So let's switch over to the Colonial Pipeline. How the heck did that happen, Joe? How does how do people hack into your system? Well, it's malware. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's it's a virus program, and it's introduced in a number of ways. It can can be uh, the most common way that I know of from personal experience is people opening spam emails and yep. clicking on the link. And now that is a, a bad situation. One of my friends who has uh, he's a radiation oncologist. Those are the guys that use the radiation to to burn out cancers and uh, uh, do cancer therapy with radiation in human beings he and his four to three or four of his friends they started their own clinic up the street from me and one of his friends accidentally opened an email with malware shut their whole system down and you know everything in their in their office was connected the ct scanners the pet scanners the radiation equipment everything everything was shut down and uh they demanded, I don't know, 20000 30000 whatever it was. And, and they called their IT guy. They called the FBI. They called the state. They called everybody. And everybody said, pay it. <laughs> Just pay it. It's easier. And so they paid it. And then, so one of the ways is opening, one of the common ways is to open it up uh, and, uh, and click on the link for spam email. So Google's got a pretty good spam uh, uh, engine in it. Uh, and so if you're using Gmail, and I don't know about AOL or any of the others, but if you're using Gmail, they they pretty much screen out most of it. And it's, occasionally something comes through, but anything that's in my spam folder, I just immediately delete it. I don't even mess with it, even if it looks like somebody I know. I figure they'll call me again or they'll contact me again. Yeah. So that's one way to do it. 
Yeah, that's not a bad method. I mean, you, you, there may be some things in the spam folder that you want, depending on how locked down your you know your email service is. But I think that it, it's what 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 is happening is these these nefarious individuals are they've gotten really 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 good at making these correspondences look real and people that are and and what they really are trying to do is to hit people when they're busy because when you're busy is when you're not really paying the most attention and they try to get you with things that are going to kind of have you bypass your normal uh system of diligence for example i had somebody send me one of these attempts and what it was they had they had made the claim that somebody from our company had sent them a bill for something that they never re- received any anything from. And they were basically claiming that we were trying to defraud them. Now, that got my attention, right? And I'm thinking, well, I want to, you know, clear this up and make sure that it's that, that that what they're claiming isn't true. But then as I look at what they're and, – and they had attached a PDF, which was uh, supposedly the statement of, uh, you know, what it was that was wrong. Well, if you hover over – these items and what what i mean by that if you heard if you're like let's say that you're at your computer and you have your cursor and you just kind of hold it over top of the link or in this case the pdf or the attachment or whatever it is you can see you can you can actually tell what it is without having to click on it and in that case i was able to tell okay what what's this what and, and it even had some sort of really obvious name but the idea was to try to get me to react quickly without thinking about it by just reacting to something because they had triggered something in me. And in this case, it was, I want to be a good customer service person, so I want to get this situation resolved. And if I would have just you know, acted on that, could have possibly been in a, in a potentially bad situation. And that's what they're, they're banking on is that people yeah, are going to be doing this. That. Yeah, people yeah. are going to do it quickly. And so the best course of action is to just, if, if you don't know, Right. If you don't know with 100% certainty that the email that you're getting is from somebody that you know, uh, and there's a lot of ways that you can you can kind of tell. For example, look at the email address. Right. If the email address has something bizarre in it that is, you know, it's uh, you, you mentioned AOL. AOL support, you know, 29 at AOL.com. It, it'll have something bizarre in there that'll be a tell. Okay, that's probably not authentic. Um, and there's other things if there's misspellings, right? If there's obvious grammatical errors within the body of the message, that can be a yeah. dead giveaway because a lot of times these people that are doing this are outside of the country and English isn't necessarily their strongest language. So they are susceptible to making some of these mistakes. And yep, so that's, you just That's true. Yeah, so you just have to kind of uh, identify You got to use common sense. Yeah. Well, and you, and you have to be a little bit intuitive as well because they're definitely yep. trying to come at you from some uh, some from different avenues yeah so if you hover over it folks uh, you'll see that it's got a huge long uh uh string of of characters behind it and uh it's obviously not your average pdf or 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 normal download file any rate there that's one way that's probably the most common way other ways are you know actually people come in with a thumb drive and they sabotage their own company and they have a they have malware on the thumb drive and so they plug it into a computer and they download it and it shuts everything down. Take the thumb drive out, put it in their pocket, go about their day, and nobody knows. And they're actually getting a cut from one of these companies. And the the the, the outfit in Russia that uh, hacked into the Colonial Pipeline they demanded twenty million dollars. 
Well, that got everybody's attention, you know. That actually uh, got them shut down, and apparently their their Bitcoin fund has been drained. And I'm guessing that uh, Putin probably got upset because they they uh, they punched above their weight, and so now they've got the whole world looking at them. And I would guess that some of those people are going to disappear, but uh, that's uh, that that's a nasty group of people, and they drove up the the price of gasoline over four dollars in florida and we don't even get it from a pipeline joe we get all ours off of uh, barges and tankers that's right that's and, right uh, it, was, so, it was all it was all a market panic that caused the price increase in florida in florida yeah it was just market panic and well not only that they're diverting uh, tankers and, and and barges to coastal cities on these on the southeast and central east coast to try to download and, and get folks gasolina in the Virginia and Maryland and, uh, you know, Connecticut, and New York area and Pennsylvania. You know, some of those lines run out to almost mid-Pennsylvania. And those folks are going to be the last to get get their gas supplies returned. So I'm sure that there's been some diversion. And it's fascinating to see how these, these uh, big tankers full of uh, gas and oil, these barges work. You know, they bid on all this stuff and, and you think you're getting... When you get go to Texaco, you think you're getting Texaco, or you know, when you go to you know City Gas, you think you're getting City Gas. It's all the same gas. It's all the same. They pump it from a pipeline, or they bring it in on a barge, and uh, they distribute it to uh, whoever buys it. And the big companies they bid on it. And that Colonial Pipeline, Joe, it runs from Houston, Texas, with feeder lines coming off the Gulf, coming in from the Gulf of Mexico. And they pump that all the way through the southeast and all the way up to New York. That's a hell of a long pipeline, my friend. And they've got feeder branches coming off of it. I think it's 5,200 miles of, of pipeline that they've got, or 4,200, some humongous amount of pipeline running. And so how did, it sh- how did this shutdown happen? Well, they got into the computers, and uh, I guess they had changed all of their valves over to computer computerized so they can handle it from a centralized area and all of a sudden they couldn't open and close their valves so what do you do well you you have to close the main valve down because if you don't you're going to blow your system and then they had to figure out what to do and i guess they just paid the 20 million and uh, so there you go now when we come back from break i'll tell you how the price of gasoline is actually calculated And this is from our own state attorney general here in Florida. And I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe. And Joe, I'll be back with Joe. That's a plan. You got it, buddy. Hey, I'm 860. The With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Things will slowly be getting back to normal at gas stations on the East Coast. The operator of the nation's largest gasoline pipeline, hit by a ransomware cyber attack, has resumed normal operations and is now delivering millions of gallons of fuel per hour. Georgia-based Colonial Pipeline had begun the process of restarting last week. They say they're up to full capacity now, but it may take a little while before all those gas stations finally have something to sell. A three-day ceasefire marked by violent attacks claimed most by ISIS has ended in Afghanistan amid calls for renewed peace talks. There are rumblings the two sides will get together in Qatar. 
And the Israeli military says it's destroyed the home of Gaza's top Hamas leader. The third such attack in two days comes after nearly a week of Israeli airstrikes following Palestinian rocket attacks. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Copays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. My community means everything to me. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from, and as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The training and leadership skills I get from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people and look out for my community. If you'd like to learn how you, too, can serve part-time in the community you love, visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Florida Army National Guard. Aired by the Florida Association of Broadcasters and this station. AM 860, The Answer. Online at TheAnswerTampa.com. Odyssey. 
Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. We'll see mostly sunny skies today with low humidity. However, as temperatures rise, look before you lock. Make sure you don't leave your child unattended in your vehicle. We'll see a high today of 89. Tonight, patchy clouds, low 68. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 90. Tuesday, partly sunny and warm, the high 92. Plan with confidence this spring. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. Radio MD coming at you on 860 AM WGUL in the Tampa Bay area. Also streaming it live on iHeart or on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. I don't know what else. I'm cranking it up every week, getting a little bit more added to it. And uh, Joe has helped me with this over the years. So, Joe, we've probably got it down to a science now. It's taken a while, but I'm figuring it out with your help, and I'm very appreciative. Today, I am live remote in Sarasota, Florida. The wife and I came down here to celebrate our son's graduation from his uh, master's program up in, in Richmond, Virginia. He got his degree in marketing, master's of marketing, master's of business in marketing uh, yesterday, and we watched it on uh, Zoom live. and Couldn't understand a word that was being said because it was in this humongous church with terrible audio they didn't even have a, a cardioid microphone they just had one of those little uh those little ball things you know I, you know what i'm talking about joe the mm-hmm. little itty bitty round things and oh man you couldn't understand anything was said but but at least we got to see him graduate because they wouldn't let anybody in no family was allowed and so he was celebrating with his friends up there parties all day and all night and uh, so we decided well we're going to celebrate and not only are we celebrating his graduation, and we're very proud of him. That's my son, Zeke. We're also celebrating no more tuition. There you <laughs> we go. Don't have, we don't have to pay tuition anymore. And hes uh, he'll be 25 in August, so we're thinking you know, it might be time for him to go out and get a job. <laughs> and, and I think he's ready. He's looking, and uh, he's got some tremendous opportunities, so I'm real proud of him. Congratulations to my son. Now. I was talking about the, uh, the Colonial Pipeline, and we were talking about the shutdown and, and the malware and all that. Do you know how the price of gas is uh, calculated? Well, I'm going to tell you. Crude oil, the refinery, is uh, 49% of that cost. So almost half the cost goes into the refining process. Then guess how much federal and state taxes are in Florida? 26%. So about every quarter of the price of your gas is going to your government. I don't know why. Refining is about 15%, and then marketing and distribution is only 10%, Joe. Only 10%, and your profit comes out of there, too. So you think about that. Most of it is uh, the uh, crude oil that you pay for and the refining, and then a quarter of it is taxes and then the rest is the actual uh, profit for the company and the marketing and the distribution the pumping it through the pipelines and all that and 
getting it at your gas station. And, of course, because, it's worth noting that if there is no profit for the company, then they're not going to do it. Well, that's true, and uh, that's probably what the Democrats would like. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a conspiracist or anything, but I bet there were some Democrats that were going, oh, yeah, shut it down. You know, Don't let them use gas. Because <laughs> it only adds to pollution and uh, global warming. And, you know, I don't know if, if the global warming, how much is impacted by us uh, and how much isn't. But I don't have a problem going electric. Joe. I don't have a problem at all with that. I never did. I've been saying since college, we're not going to die from nuclear fallout or nuclear waste. We're going to die from our own hydrocarbon waste. And that's what that's what burning gas and oil and sugar and everything else is. You know, if you're burning sugar, you're you're making carbon dioxide and water. That's what you expel from your lungs when you burn sugar in your body and sugar is the fuel that we use as I've said many times on the show it's a hydrocarbon just like gas and oil only not as volatile and uh, it takes a little bit more of a spark it's a chemical spark inside our, our system that gets it going and so then you breathe out carbon dioxide and water and so we're polluting the atmosphere too and do you know what the most egregious gas house uh, greenhouse gas is Joe Take a guess. Well, I've always heard it was methane. No, sir. It is water. A hole. It is, it is H2O. That adds more heat uh, to the atmosphere than any other greenhouse gas. And we have tons of it in the atmosphere now. And you know what? We're not using it. We're not impounding it. We're not making uh, 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 hydroelectric dams with it. We're not... You know, the, the environmentalists, they want to tear down all the dams. Are you out of your mind? Oh, my God. I mean, come on. That's the cheapest way you can make electricity. You look at the Hoover Dam. It's been there since the 1930s. It's still working. It's still cranking out tons of electricity. And as it becomes more efficient, it's somewhat keeping up with the growth of, uh, of Las Vegas in that area. So the most egregious is water. It's H2O. And so we've got this colonial pipeline situation, and uh, it's, it's a bad, bad thing because it shut down uh, gasoline for, what, maybe 15 20% of the country going up the East Coast, maybe more. I don't know what percentage it is, Joe, and it's driven up gas prices because the cost of uh, delivering it and uh, uh, pumping it has gone up and the demand has increased. And, uh, you know, this is a market-driven uh, phenomena. So if you have more, de more demand than you have supply, you're going to drive up the cost of it. And people are lined up and fighting in, in the states that are fed by this pipeline. Fortunately, in Florida, we are not. But our prices have gone up, as you said, in part because of the hysteria associated with uh, with this and and partly because they're diverting as much as they can of our gas to other coastal states that can unload it on, on their docks and send it out to their their gas stations. And the other problem, Joe, is that there weren't enough trucks to uh, to carry the gas from the ports inland since the pipeline wasn't working. So you have to have, if you're going to unload the gas off of a barge at a, at a dock or a wharf, 
then you have to have some way to take it from there on into uh, your gas stations, your Texaco station, your 7-Eleven, your Wawa or whatever. Somebody has to drive that in there in a tanker and has to pump it into the reservoirs and the, and the gas station so you can pump it out of your your um, pump it out of your your gassy wassy things what do you call the things your pumps right <laughs> yeah that the pumps and if you if you don't have that if you don't have the distribution capabilities and of course the truckers all of a sudden a trucker out in Washington state says well what do you want me to do and his boss man says you're headed to South Carolina, and on the way, I want you to stop in St. Louis and pick up a load. And he says, okay, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to drive further. I'm going to have to stay up all night and take a hit of speed, and, and so I'm going to have to hit you up for overtime. And so the the, uh, the dispatcher says, okay, let me talk to the boss. The boss says, okay, pay him overtime. They add that to the cost of the gasoline. Well, as you can see, it escalates up. It, it's a big you know, it's a complex chain, and it takes a lot to get that gasoline into your into your tank and your car so that you can get to work and get to the grocery store, get to the welfare office or wherever you got to go. And so the price goes up. It goes up, and uh, it's very disruptive. Now, the thing for me, Joe, that's most important about this is it shows the vulnerability of our infrastructure to attacks like this. Oh, yeah. And and this is something that has to be corrected. This is something that has to be addressed. We had the same thing happen when Obama first took office. We had a huge cyber attack, and I remember that in 08 or 09 when he came in. I think it was 09, I can't remember. I think that was the first year he was in office, wasn't it? He got elected in 08 and then took office in January of 09. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and so it was in 09. We lost all of our computers in our office. I had to go around and redo everything, redo the whole frickin' office, and that was like 20 computers. That's a big deal for me. You know, that was a lot of nights and weekends I had to stay there and do work. And that, again, was under the Democrats. Now, I don't remember us having any big attacks under the past couple of Republican administrations, and I'm not saying that the Democrats are at fault, but they're certainly complicit uh, I think the Republicans are too, and that they haven't strengthened our our infrastructure, especially our cyber infrastructure, and uh, implemented some uh, safety nets. Now, I don't know if they have a problem with with this in China. I'm sure that they do too, but you're not going to hear about it. And I think that uh, it's something that the the big governments that are legitimate, you know, the Western powers, Great Britain and her children. Uh, need to address as a group, and we need to specifically address it as a country, because these kind of attacks can, as we see, cripple us. They can certainly cripple our military. What if you all of a sudden didn't have gas that was being pumped and jet fuel that was being pumped, and you know you got a big air base in Pensacola, and I'm sure that that's fed by the uh, pipeline coming through southern Alabama. You've got a big air force base in. in uh, uh, in southern Georgia, near Macon, south of Macon. You've got uh, military bases and air bases all up and down the East Coast. I mean, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Not to mention the disruption of air traffic, commercial air traffic, of you and me driving. And people were asking me, do you think I should go up to New York or Massachusetts for the summer? Now I said, no, <laughs> you'll get stuck somewhere. 
and you won't have gas, you'll be spending the night in the Holiday Inn, double bunking with somebody. You know, it'll be like the colonial days where if you got a room, it was with three other guys in one bed. So this is a problem. We need to address it, and we need our politicians to uh, belly up here, Democratic and Republican, and work on this uh, behind the scenes without rancor, and let's let's get this fixed. And I would say to Colonial Pipeline, you need to you need to really toughen up your your security too. You need to uh, really vet the people that are coming in to work. Of course, they're probably having the same problems everybody's having. Joe, they can't find people to come to work. So. Yeah, well, that's so that, well. We were talking about that before the show, and there's a lot. That, uh, every industry is dealing with that right now, where you're just having people you're having trouble, and for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that they're being paid not to work. They're being paid not to work, and uh, you know it's a noble thing that the Democrats want to help people that are hurting. If that's truly their purpose, if they're not just trying to enable them so that they are dependent upon the government and will vote for them. I mean, you know, come on, you can buy power. Now, you can rent love, but I don't think you can buy love. You can rent it a long time if you got a lot of money, but I'm not sure that that's the kind of loyalty and love that you really want. But you can certainly buy votes. Well, you can rent them, you know, until somebody comes along with more money. And I love the story that we used to tell in Kentucky. The Dry County, when they would have an election, they would give everybody... 10 or 20 bucks and, uh, you know, a gallon of moonshine to keep it, to keep it dry, Joe. Why? So the bootleggers and the, and the moonshiners in the next county and then their county could continue to make a living. I love it. We are wonderful as a people, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And, and when it comes to, uh, you know, all this pipeline stuff, I think that it's a, a good axiom to live by when it comes to these sorts of things is that you shouldn't ascribe, um, malice to that which can easily be easily be explained by incompetence and that's what looks like is what's going on with this not to say that it can't be fixed but while the you know while we well I, I think a lot of people are concerned with exactly what you said maybe there's some democrats that like this type of situation um, i think yeah. it certainly puts them in a box because a lot of them are talking about getting off of 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 gasoline what they call uh, fossil fuels uh as we um are in the uh, the final minute of the program here, but the problem is, is that there aren't any alternatives that are ready that can do the sort of production that we need to function as a fully vibrant economy on the world stage. And there's too many other economies around the world that rely on us to be productive uh, for us to realistically take any other options at this point. Nice idea, oh, yeah. not realistic. Yep. Not realistic. And you know, like you said, it may not be a conspiracy. They may really be that stupid. Uh, never underestimate the stupidity of your federal government. But there are some very bright people in the government, too, so we have to balance that out. But it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a, a tough situation. We need to address it. We need to address the unemployment and get people back to work, get them off the, get them off the uh, government tit, and we need to uh, get our infrastructure buffed up, including our our. Our cyber security. Well, we're at the end of the show, and I'm live from from 
Sarasota, Florida. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Thanks for being with me, Joe. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Can Care Clinic. 